We work at our jobs to pay our bills and provide for ourselves and others. But that job doesn't often define us and often nurtures the voice inside that says, but I want to try other things. That's the voice of your side hustle coming out. Let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk because today's guest heard that voice and answered the call. A pocket-sized pep talk, the podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jollis. Today's guest, Stephen Paxton, has been involved in the collections and financial industry for over 10 years, but the other voice pushed forth another idea and moved him to side hustling before side hustling was cool, and that caught my attention. I'm referring to eBay, where he gained his first eBay power seller's status back in 2007 while in college at the University of Iowa, and that's where this story begins. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Hey. Thanks a lot, Rob. I haven't seen you since like Baltimore, I think, working, uh, doing something with Toyota. And I think we were uh, down in Cedar Rapids together, too. So it's awesome to see you. See, see, live and in person. Of course, anybody <laughs> hearing this in the car is going, what's he see? What's he see? <laughs> well, you know, Jalos is really bulked out. I mean, I'm I'm a monster of a man. And, uh, you know, well, I, these, these biceps are just, uh, mm. you know, they're, they're annoying at this point. But that's for your imagination. Let's get to work. I've got some questions for you because I really liked the, the whole side hustle piece. I think I saw, I'm, I'm really want to check and see if I fall into the umbrella, but I want to hear from you first. So let's come out of the gate with, I guess, real simple. What led you to want more? What, what led you to develop a side hustle? I probably have two stories. One is probably um, something that's a little bit more organic. And I think the other one is an aha moment. And I'm not going to drag them out and bore you, but I'll make them very succinct. Uh, The first one, honestly, was um, when I first became a a power seller, um, I had a moment where, you know, I was young. I think I was 18 years old, um, 19 years old. And I was riding my bike in my neighborhood and I saw a box in a ditch. And I kind of know a little bit, I guess, about maybe antiques based off of maybe what my dad did or something growing up, but I didn't really think a box would have any value. Um, so spoiler alert, the box that I found was like a Bush or Anheuser-Busch or Bud Light um, old, I think, um, beer or liquor storage box. And there is an Iowa um, like tax stamp on it. And I think that was the thing that brought the most value to the item. But um, this random box in a ditch, um, I pulled it out and I brought it back to my garage knowing or at least thinking my my parents would be like what are you doing bringing this nasty box home and we ended up just looking at some things on eBay for some comparable values and it ended up being like 50 or you know 60 dollars but you know to an 18 year old kid starting out in college that's huge that's gigantic yeah Um, and that's kind of my primitive story but moving on a little bit later in um, at the University of Iowa living in the in the dorms this big aha moment that happened where essentially an idea sparked. And that was my roommate had this nasty dorm refrigerator. Um, I think the power was unplugged and therefore all the food and stuff was like rotting. Um, Yeah, disgusting. Um, A couple, and I haven't told this this guy the story before, but he's he's a pretty, uh, I would say important guy in the, uh, I would say, side hustle industry. Um, but he, um, his name is Max, and he lived on my on my floor at Iowa. Um, he is a couple doors down, and he came by, and he saw my my roommate, I think, moving out around, you know, the, the end of the school year, and I think he was getting rid of it, and Max goes, hey, he's, he said, 
are you, are you selling that? And my roommate pretty much was like, yeah. And Max offered him like $20. And this is like $150 decent refrigerator, but it was nasty. And you know what? In front of my eyes, Max, a second later came down, had like a mask on, came in with like the yellow Rubbermaid gloves and like whatever type of spray, you know, and like sprayed it down, cleaned it up and it looked brand new. And I would totally put my TV dinners and my, you know, my, uh, you would, <laughs> my you would trust rolls. it to your TV dinners. Now, Steven, yeah. think, you sure about that? As a college kid. Yeah. That's a big that's risk, a but in TV dinners inside of something that's dirty. So yeah, I would totally eat off the floor of that refrigerator, but it sparked something. Yeah. Sure. You can find stuff out in the ether, right? There's stuff that exists that has value to it in its state. There was the ditch example. Environment was kind of nasty. But this was a different one. It was like, hey, this is a product that definitely has value to it, but it just needed a little bit of finesse. Um, and that's really how I kind of started my journey in, in reselling. Well, and it, and it makes sense. You know, uh, it was funny before we went on the air here, we were talking about, I said, you know, got some things you want to talk about. He said, well, I don't have a book. And I do. You're right. I do talk to a lot of authors, but with ideas like books or just business ideas, I think frequently it finds us, we don't find it, you know? And mm -hmm. so that story you tell is, you know, it makes sense to me. I, it, it also made me think about, I had this sled that I was growing up with as a kid mm -hmm. called, we you know everybody knew a flexible flyer, but I had a sled called a monoplane and I swear to you, it had to have been my dad's sled. I mean, it was super old, although I will tell you, it was like so broken in that you could really steer it, it wasn't stiff, mm -hmm. but I did one time I decided I was going to, and I'm not you, I'm not all that handy. I'm, I may be a monster of a man, but I'm not all that handy. And I, uh, but I got some, I sanded it. I got some Rust-Oleum. I, you know, I painted the runners red. I, I stained the top. I, I brought it out. I ended up putting it up on a wall. It was so good looking when I was done with it. And it was to me very rewarding. And I will bet you that monoplane is worth something to somebody because it, it's got to be from the, 1920s uh so uh but good for you i, I that that's kind of fast and I, I remember uh had some roommates that got into antique uh coke machines you see mm -hmm. those from time to time you know with the, with the bottles you pull them out one at a time they're just in one row and and what about uh, do you ever watch the uh, antique road show is that what they call it yeah, I think I was watching that kind of growing up. And I think that was my, hey, there's a ditch in the box. Looks antique. Let's let's try it out. <laughs> right. That's sort of when you were describing that, I was thinking that's the kind of thing where somebody goes, and that box is now worth you know, $90, whatever. And you just see people yeah. light up going, I paid five. That just made my day. So it's <laughs> not that we're getting rich on it, but I can see particularly as a kid how that just you know, changed your mindset of things. Mm -hmm. It made me really search for almost, you know, living with my parents, looking at, every, at everything in my room and you can really almost assess a value to anything. And we can dive down a deeper hole into a granular aspect of taking good photos, um, you know, selling something to someone that doesn't have a need or a problem, right? To, um, you know, you can change people's minds based off of your photography, based yeah. off of something that might not be worth something, but the way that you market and present it, you might be able to actually sell it. So it makes you look at the world differently. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you lead me into to, uh, in my next question, which is, 
I think a lot of people go, well, you know, that sounds like a good idea, but where am I going to find the time for it? How, you know, uh, so how do you find, I think I can, you're kind of a motivated guy. I think I can see where the motivation's coming from and hear it in your voice. Yeah. But what about the time for, for side hustles, for side work? Uh, how, do you compartmentalize that? How do you do that? You know, when you, when I sit down and I speak with someone, that is usually their number one objection, right? Um, yeah. I don't have the time. And can, can we blame people in, in today's society for not having time? Some people might, I think I have some blue collar buddies of mine right now, if they're listening, they're probably laughing and they think 40 hours a week is nothing, right? But some people, you know, if you have a couple of kids and single mother, whatever, I mean, it's tough. I mean, there's some situations that are out there, but I think that, that it comes down to addressing the issue um, of time and uh, what a great day. It's uh, Monday the 14th and it's a day after daylight savings time. I think that if people need and want to try and better their life, better the situation by making some extra money, um, they can be, this is the key phrase, is intentional about their time. If you sit down and you say, hey, this is what I do for every minute of my day, I'm gonna probably give you an extra hour or two. You know what, I'll give you your daylight savings time back be intentional with your time, log it down for a week. Maybe you'll find some time. Um, what's really interesting is just um, yesterday was Sunday, my iPhone will spit out information in regards to, this is how much screen time that you've had for the week. And I sit there and I'm like, yeah. what did I do for <laughs> how many hours a day, right? I'm such a loser. How did that happen? Oh, how did yeah. that happen? The second part is just this morning, my credit card that I use for my business sent me um, like an expense sheet and you can kind of see like, this is what you spent on uh, restaurants. Here's what you spent on travel. And, you know, whether it is time or finance, I think if you're intentional about time or money, you can give yourself 26 hours in a day or give yourself a pay raise by being intentional. I love that. Uh, you know, and I actually, I used to teach a time management, uh, at least module program and I, I really, I, 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 even that got better in a sense, because, it, you know, when I taught for Xerox, I taught Lakin's method of time management, which was basically one size fits all. We're all going to make an ABC list. We're going to throw out the C's. Uh, you know, sometimes they call yeah. it Swiss cheese in the A's, which means the A's are sometimes really big. You just can't do it in 10 minutes, but geez, keep poking holes through it and then kind of, you know, get to the B's. That's not really time management. I mean, that's that's one element of it. But time management can be just poor goal setting. Time management can be procrastination. Matter of fact, there's about 22 different elements. And so the first thing we have to do is figure out, well, which one fits you before we go solving the problem? But I do, you know, as when I mentor authors, I hear the same thing. I really want to get at this, but I don't have the time. Well, newsflash, you're not going to be able to write a book if you don't have time to write a book. But I'm with you. I think everybody has time. And, you know, you, you sort of smiled and made light of it when you went, you know, daylight savings time just don't set the clocks i actually have uh, at least two authors that i've worked with who who took their books across the finish line who had no time and i said what time do you get up they went 6 30 and i said well now you get up at 5 30 now we just found an hour every day next question and and i mean you're not reading the newspaper you know that is marked the second thing i would i would argue uh, for you is to say that for most people uh, who work out, as an example, and have some sort of exercise routine, those are the same people who go, I don't have any time, I don't have any time. Well, tell me about what you do when you work out. Well, I 
swim on Tuesdays or run on Wednesdays. I think, all right, so that's obviously very important to you. And you've protected that time. Hey, what happens when you can't make the, the run? Oh, well, and I'll I'll meet, I'll find a spot, but I have to get it in. Oh, interesting. So you even, even yeah. make up for that time. If everybody just followed their own game plan and yep. took what you're saying a little bit more seriously, let's both agree that I'm not buying the fact we can't find the time for it. It's too important. And piggybacking on um, really time is, you know, being intentional and finding that, 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 that slot where you can um, potentially do some, some, some work. Right. Um, And if, if you have found uh, that slot, um, then I think that you need motivation, right? I think this time thing, once you tackle, go over that hurdle, you have the second hurdle, right? It might even be bigger. The, the, the next hurdle is, is much larger, larger. And I think that's, that's motivation. And I think uh, this really has a lot to do with goal setting. And like, I think two months ago, you had an excellent um, guest on your podcast. Um, you'll be able to probably say his name, but he was talking about uh, visualizing your goals. Instead of just having a goal in your head, have a oh, visual yeah. board, right? Yeah. 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 And there's science. Yeah. I think he presented science. Like you're 70% more apt to, you know, finish your goal or do something about it. If it's right in front of you with a visual. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, he put it and, up. He, he was talking about like, uh, he actually has it up in the office. He showed me some pictures. And so everyone who comes in the office every day, they're looking at the, at, at that board of their goals. It's not something they wrote down at the, the kickoff meeting mm-hmm. when everybody filed away. Right. Uh, no, they, they walk into it every day. That's smart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. I mean, I, I, a huge quote. Um, growing up, I went to a church here in Cedar Rapids, and on our and I'm not trying to convert anyone to, into anything. It's just what's on the sign, and it's an old biblical verse, and it and it says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." And I don't care if you're religious or not. Somebody thousands upon thousands of years ago wrote that, and that's you know um, an old saying. So it's not me or you saying right now. Um, you know, goals and visual goals are super important. This was like thousands of years ago. If it's right. in the Bible, you know, it, it, it's, it's someone has trailblazed that idea already. So what we're coming up with is not anything that is new, but the visual is a nice little asterisk to that idea that might help some people. Yeah. You know, and, and you touched on the, the term motivation just now. It's funny. I was, I was sort of grappling with that as you were speaking, thinking, you know, well, most people's side hustles are typically things that they want to do. I mean, I don't know a whole lot of people go, well, I'm not as thrilled with my work, but I've come up with this side hustle I dislike even more. You know, it just doesn't make sense. So normally it's something they like. So I think it falls into, and I was talking to a group about of job seekers that were procrastinating certain things. And it really hit home when I reminded them that when you procrastinate, we we can't, you don't want to uh, confuse that with the word lazy. It's not that people are being lazy when you procrastinate. It's that your mind chooses to do things that are a little bit more fun, a little bit easier to do. And it keeps saying, and we're going to get to that one soon. But first, I think I need to sew this button on or whatever, (laughs) you know, whatever that might. So, you know, remember, we're, we're not really talking about being lazy. We're talking about I like what you're saying is, you know, finding the time I'm, I'm putting my chair on this Sunday, protect that time, the way you mm-hmm. protect anything else that's important. And then mm-hmm. when you're into that slot, we're not calling you lazy, but mm-hmm. 
Don't, there's no, don't check your emails. Don't, you know, don't fiddle in, uh, around. That's your mm-hmm. hour. And if you say something, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Then plan it out the night before. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, if, if we protect it and we have it on the calendar, I'm telling you, these side hustles work. The key now is to figure out what your side hustle will be. Uh, any thoughts about that? How, so somebody's listening right now and, and thinking to themselves, maybe I'm not as fulfilled as I want to be in the job that I have. I'd love to find a side hustle. So what would be my side hustle? Would we, would we go to a side hustle camp? He, he, <laughs> uh, where do we find it? Where do we find the side hustle? Use these free resources that we have in life. There's podcasts that are out there. I think, I mean, something called like side hustler pros. I mean, it's, it's a thing. Um, I said, um, or rather you said in the intro, um, I was side hustling before it was cool, right? <laughs> um, it's a cool thing right now, which means if it's trendy and cool, there's a million resources. And when it comes to, you know, YouTube or a podcast, there's, there's, there's articles that are out there. Um, and, you know, you can find something that um, is, is fulfilling to you. And, you know, for me, I, I, I love to sell, but I am kind of afraid when it comes to having that be my W-2 job. And I know that everyone sells, I get it. And that, you know, we all kind of work on salary. I listen to your podcast or we all live, we all work on commission. Commission, Um, Yep. Um, So I listen to your podcast, by the way. Um, (laughs) um, But for me, I'm for someone that might be a a little soft with maybe transitioning full-time into that environment. Well, try selling digitally try doing um, an e-business, right? And you might not have to uh, commit yourself uh, you know, to doing it in full, but at least you can get your toes wet. Um, yeah. And that's the best part about a side hustle though, is that side hustlers are dynamic. That I think is the number one thing um, why people do them. Obviously there's money involved, but they're so, um, gig work is so um, you know, important now because people's you know, lives and schedules are busy. So we just talked about um, time and, uh, you know, once you find that, that, that time, you definitely need to kind of, you know, log into the app to say, Hey, I'm available for an Uber drive, or I'm going to go and, and, and research something to resell on eBay. But the worst part or the hardest thing, but the downfall of um, side hustles um, or dynamic work is that it's dynamic. And that means you need the motivation to actually go out there and do it. It's so flexible that you can do it in between soccer practice or whatever the case is. But when that time opens up, you need to have the motivation to take advantage of that dynamic time. Are you going to add more to your screen time at the end of the week from on your iPhone, or are you going to make some money? And I'm talking serious money. You can make a lot of money by doing things on the side. You know, I've got, a, I've got an idea for you. Okay. Uh, uh, it's, it's a, it's a jealous trick that I, I impose on myself, but I actually, have other i've sort of been telling people try this try this and that is when you have you know writing a book for a lot of people is a side hustle rarely do i work with an author who's a professional author they're doing something else but they've they've had this dream and um i've told them you you want to be motivated you want to get it done don't keep it a secret tell people and and think about what happens if i go you know i've always had this dream of of making coffee mugs Okay, tell, start, start, and then tell people what you're doing. And you'll hear people often say, well, well I don't know if I want to do that because then I really have to do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you tell people I'm writing a book, they're going to remember it. They're going to come back a month later and go, hey, how's the book coming along? And 
Pre- and, and so what it does is it tricks the mind and it tricks us a little bit to go, I'm putting it out there. So I'm going to see this thing through. If we don't tell anyone because we're afraid that we'll fail, well, we'll, we'll that will be a self-fulfilling prophecy, won't it? But I've always thought that's kind of the secret sauce. It's It goes completely against your instinct. And yet it's logical when you think about it. Tell I, I actually have people, I've always wanted to make a button that said, that says, ask me about my book. And, and, and one last thing, and I'll get off this idea. But another reason why I like it is because wouldn't it be interesting while you're developing your, your side hustle, assuming it's not proprietary and you want to keep it a secret. If you were stimulated to, to brainstorm it and think about it and turn that cube around and study it, well, guess what happens when you keep get engaged, getting engaged in conversations with other people about it? They go, oh, really? So it's e-commerce. Now, what's, and all you, as you're answering questions, you go, no, I didn't think about that, or I probably should make that call. I learn more when I'm writing something, and it's not just writing, when I'm working on something, by just asking people and telling them about it, then keeping it a secret and having no conversations, except with me. It's kind of a lost art in regards to just finding mentorships in general. Like I think within the corporate environments that I've been involved with, there's been great, um, you know, uh, mentor um, possibilities. But just in life, as we freelance throughout our life, um, I think feel like in general there's not enough people that reach out. Let's say you want to be a realtor, um, or at least want to do it on the side. Let's say flip houses on the side. Where I mean, people don't talk about you know reaching out to someone and hey, can I just like look over your shoulder for like a couple of weeks or something, a couple of months and like give you coffee and do whatever. And, and you maybe share some secrets with me. And I think that's kind of a lost art is having that mentor in the world that can, you know, you, you talk about sharing your ideas and having that, you know, be the potential motivator to keep you going, keep you, you know, surfing on that wave. Or what about having a mentor that knows the, the industry already and that can say, hey, you're doing a good job. Check in with me in a couple of months and tell me how much money you've made. Like if you have accountability uh, with a, a mentor that has already been a trailblazer in the industry, I think that is something that's super overlooked in our society. I love that. You're, ab- you're absolutely correct. Some of the universities do it. I get involved with the universities a little bit. So I've jumped on their program, but it, it's, it's uh, you know, what a, what a great idea. Uh, because when you think about it, uh, here's the good news, folks. If, if, if somebody's a lot of times, nobody, people won't walk up and go, I'm looking for a mentor, but you'll know it when, when you're there, when people are saying, I've wanted to do that, or I've always had questions and you sort of sit down and realize that you're just scraping the tip of the iceberg. Uh, it's one of the nicest things you can do for another individual. And, um, you know, whenever we do something for in a charitable way, uh, we're always, we, we always benefit as well. Um, uh, you know, I, I won't go into it, but there are certain things that I, I do. And I, I always tell people, I know that you're happy about that. I'm the second happiest person on the face of the earth right now, um, uh, because I had a hand in it and, um, boy, that's, that's enriching. So there's a side hustle, start a mentorship program for uh, other people. And I promise you, you, you hang out a shingle and start that program. They will come on both mm-hmm. sides. Yeah. So, uh, you know, particularly students, uh, particularly, and I was involved a little bit with this, but I'm not right now, uh, students that are coming from other countries, they mm-hmm. desperately need somebody to mentor them. And, and, and having been on the front line there, I can tell you, none of them were asking for money or for me to plug them into a job. 
they just wanted information. They just wanted to understand how things worked. And it was effortless, really good. Um, let, 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 let's shift back to e-commerce with you. Sure. What, what, what type of person do you think typically excels um, in e-commerce? Yeah, I think that it's almost like a person that likes to almost gamble, but have an educated gamble. Like I do love the gamble, but I realize how the house always wins. Like I like the lights and the fountains and the free soda machines, right? It's a cool time, but I realize like I'm going to lose more than likely. Um, so I think people that want to get into this type of industry um, are the, the types of type of folks that um, like to be educated gamblers. Instead of putting, you know, thousand dollars on red and hoping that it spins and hits your, your your number what if there's some way to actually predict the future to make it so that that was like an 80 percent chance of you landing that thousand dollar you know hit on the roulette table um so i think that the person that would excel is in this type of uh field of e-commerce uh specifically what with what i do i do not do um at this point i don't do private products i don't develop a private product have it made in china and set, sell it to people here i don't do that currently. Um, but I am finding products that exist out in the market and I am uh, remarketing those in some cases. Let's go back to Max and that dirty refrigerator, yeah. remarketing some stuff and, and, and selling it um, out there. So, um, you know, that thrill seeker that can kind of see the diamond in the rough that wants to make an educated decision, I think would be the perfect um, candidate for um, consumer to consumer e-commerce. Got it. Uh other than extra income, what are the benefits I mean, of e-commerce? I mean, I was never really into photography. Like I could totally appreciate art and photography in itself. But when it comes to um, product photography, I'm totally into it now. And whenever, I don't know, Walmart, Aldi, um, Target comes out with an ad, I like to kind of pick it apart, you know, um, you know, what, what are they using um, for their backdrops? You know, what does their design layout look like? And it just opens up these, these ideas uh, in regards to, you know, so there's, you know, photography is a big part of reselling because you're trying to tell your story um, through images to convey someone that you need this um, or you have a problem. If I'm speaking in the words of uh, Mr. Jollis, um, and they, they well, need to I buy call it product. a concern or challenge or obstacle, but I know where you're going. Keep going. <laughs> Perfect. So there's certain things that can, you can branch off with, and there's so many people in the industry that realize, well, I'm side hustling right now doing e-commerce. I like the photography photography thing. Well, why can't I erode this thought a little bit? And hey, maybe on the weekends I can do some portrait photography now that I've learned these skills. Right. Um, so it's kind of a multifaceted environment because some people love like the the accounting piece, like, hey, I'm spending, you know, $50,000 a year on product. You know, here's what my shipping costs are going to be. What tweaks can I make to potentially, you know, go from one um, shipping carrier to another? Is FedEx better than UPS? So there's photography, there's um, accounting uh, or financial strategies. There's, you know, um, sourcing strategies when it comes to getting your products. And then, you know, there's uh, marketing uh, strategies as well. What platform do I use? Is it eBay? Is it Mercari? Am I making a craft that I want to sell on Etsy? You know, what is my niche and where can I uh, make the most money? So um, it's it's not like a one size fits all type of thing. It's multifaceted and, and I'm not good in a lot of these in, in, in 
all the areas. I'm good in some of them. And I am slowly wanting to actually develop my skills in the other areas that I'm not good in so that I can essentially at the end of the day, be, be more efficient and make more money. Yeah. Uh, and, and oh, by the way, we're, we're dancing around the word benchmarking, which means, mm-hmm. you know, you've got an idea, it looks good. Let's find somebody else who's, who's close to the idea. And, and, you know, at first I used to smirk at the word benchmarking. And I thought, isn't that kind of just a professional way of saying I'm copying? You're not really copying. The idea is um, look at a button, like you take, take my website, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like my website. And I think it's actually probably a, a part of about nine or 10 different websites that I saw. And I went, I like that part. I like the movement up front. I kind of like the way that person's using those buttons over there. And, uh, but to just sit down and, and have a web developer say, well, what do you want? Well, I could answer the question, but I guarantee you I would give him all or her all the wrong answers because I don't know yet. I'll know in three years. I just can't see the future. So until I get, and it was that person who said, well, name some really good speakers that you like. And I was like, well, is this guy? Well, go to their website. Tell them, take a look. And, and three of them were good and some of them were great. But all of a sudden, I I, I, I remember learning it in college. I went, oh, now I get benchmarking. Uh, look at who are doing things well. And then leap from that. Find, I, I always think that's so well, I want to see if I can do it even better. But um, it's so, uh, but benchmarking, I think, will at least get us in the ballpark so we don't make some those first couple mistakes can be rough. <laughs> so yeah. at least hopefully they won't be too bad. What also kind of goes along with an, another thing that you talk about, and it was a great uh, podcast, I think from last week, where um, you're, I think you're chatting about, um, you know, um, if you get butterflies or if you're nervous about speaking right. in public or doing a presentation, my industry revolves around that phrase. And that is track record. How much does product ABC sell for? I mean, we can talk about it in our personal lives all day. Like, Hey, I've knocked these things out of the park. I have a track record of being a great presenter, great speaker. Why am I even being nervous? I have, um, you know, a, a product skill set, um, you know, template that is proven to work. And that's my confidence right there. When it comes to the resale industry, I'll put my spin on it. That is you can, there's tools out there where I can, you know, look at this um, product right here, which is, a Stanley tape measure, right? <laughs> it's a, it's a tape, tape measure, measure, folks. I'm looking right. at it. Yeah. There we go. 25 footer. Yeah. I guarantee you that someone's probably trying to sell one of these online, by the way. But what you can do is there's apps and even built into the eBay app, just like a realtor, you know, if a realtor comes over and they say, hey, I need to figure out how much your house is worth. They'll look at some comps or benchmarks in the area. Um, and what I do is I, look out into the marketplace and find things that have a proven um, track record. You know, I can see all sales within 90 days easily with a, just a snap. And if my X value, which is the cost of goods is less than the Y, the, the Y value, um, which is what I could potentially sell it for based off of the track record, I am going to zoom in there and buy that product and resell it so that I can fulfill and eat that gap. So I think that it's a really, um, I think it's a really important um, concept within my industry is to um, benchmark and, and pay attention to track records. Right. Right. And, and, you know, um, I use that track record. I use that term a lot myself on this side, just because when we're anxious and when we're, you know, maybe it's a new idea. Let's not even, let's bring it out of the speaking world. What 
typically happens when you put your heart and soul into an idea? Well, usually it works out pretty well or it's good enough where I can fix along the way. Okay, so could we put that, could we put that thought in our head instead of that freaking out thought that seems to be wanting to, uh, I call it the bully in the brain from way back, but yeah, that seems to be bullying you right now. So I do, I'm, I'm a fan of the term track record because I know for me, it calms me down. Uh, and, and I'm not a guy that gets super anxious, but when I do, as soon as I think of, have you ever done this before? Well, yeah. What usually happens? Well, if people kind of like it, then, then let's go. Let's, let's yeah. make it happen. All right. I got one last question for you. Uh, now, I'm, I'm where you are right now, if you could go into the Wayback Machine, and, and I'm talking about the side hustle right now, and do one or two things differently. Uh, you were careful. You benchmarked. We, do, we did everything we said we were going to do. It doesn't guarantee that that means we're perfect. What one or two things would you do differently? The big thing with reselling, specifically with consumer to consumer goods, is you're going to, if you want to do it at a large enough scale to tackle some really big goals, I'm talking like paying your mortgage every single month or investing into um, um, a, a retirement account like a Roth or um, a college savings account for your, your children. I'm talking, we're talking life changing goals here. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, uh, if you get big enough, you're going to have inventory with the way I do things. I'm not having another company drop ship it or fulfill it by Amazon at this point in my um, career side hustling. Um, but, you know, finding a good way to organize your, your goods and store them. And also essentially having a SKU system. Um, if you're, if we're talking what I currently have in my inventory, I typically have between four and 500 items that are out there in the marketplace, ready to be sold. There typically aren't multiples. So we're not talking a toy red car that I fabricated from China that I'm selling a thousand copies of. I'm talking, Hey, the listing is what you get. And I, once that listing is over, I'm going to delete it and move on to the next thing. So all of these things need to be stored. And I have a system that, you know, I've developed over time. Um, and I've uh, finessed the way that I store things based off of like a bin number. And it's as simple as that. Hey, I, I have this um, trinket in um, bin B5. And now when I sell it, I have a little um, custom SKU within my listing that I can reference, grab the item and uh, send it off. Um, so that's really from like a hands-on approach, like getting in the weeds of reselling really. So, um, some people probably will understand that if you're already in the industry, um, maybe a, a second point for someone that isn't, um, really in the industry, um, yet, um, but can probably relate is, is, is just chat talking about the description of an item. Um, typically within a description of something that you're selling, um, we can use some of your, your ideologies here. And that is, you know, what, what need could potentially be out there for the consumer, draw it out right away. And that need might be if this person knows that this turntable, this vintage turntable has an issue with the rubber band that, that turns that plate around on your vinyl records, um, let them know and address that need with your solution, um, which is, Hey, I just... I just replaced it. It's working fine. I just oiled it. It's been lubricated. It's good to go. Um, and I think addressing needs within a description before someone has to ask you about it is huge to save you time and to build confidence with your with your customers. That's smart. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I, I you mentioned you got 500 items out there right now. That's impressed me. Let me I, I got one more emergency question. Sure. Uh, roughly, 
how many items have you sold? You, you started in 2007, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, and you're a, a power eBay guy. What What's that called? Power. Yeah. Po- well, back in the day, it was a power seller. They've kind of converted things a little bit to become um, top rated seller, which okay. I am a top rated seller as well. But um, to a- answer the question about maybe a specific number for quantity of sales, I'm probably over 10,000 um, sales. Yeah. That's terrific. And that these is, things are turning. Yeah. <laughs> these things are turning over, and I'm not afraid to to. I mean, I won't go into details in regards to what I make, but what I make, um, like I mentioned, some numbers. If you want to have that target, if your vision is out there, um, I pay my mortgage every single month based off of the sales that I have on my side gig, and it has nothing to do with me not liking my job, and I have to get away. Um, but it has everything to do with me wanting to fulfill my entrepreneur, uh, spirit of being my own boss, um, you know, having results be a direct relation, um, towards the economy and, and the decisions that I make, um, with my store. And it's all about me. And there's a huge benefit towards that. Not only with like, you know, motivation because I get up and that's my store versus I get up and sure there's a middleman that I'm working for. And not that I don't like my W2 job, I really love it. And I, I, I enjoy collections and, and being a programmer on the back end of collections right now. Um, but there's something different, as you know, being your mm-hmm. own boss, having your own LLC, and uh, you're, you're the man, you're making the decisions. And for better or for worse, you're, you're, you're learning and you're having fun. Yeah, that's the tough part, the worst part, because I remember when I left Xerox thinking, now, you know, I know all the answers and I'm, I'll show those guys. And I got to, you know, because before I would say, well, they're not listening to me. That's why this isn't working. When, when you started on your own, you go by the mirror and you go, this isn't working real well. And you're like, all of a sudden you catch a glimpse, you go, and it's that guy's fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not talking to that guy. Uh, yep. uh, <laughs> So anyway, uh, but that's the glass half empty. The glass half full is there is nothing like walking by that mirror and going, hey there, handsome. How you doing? You are on fire. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I'm coming up on my 30th year since I uh, became an entrepreneur. And like most entrepreneurs, uh, the, the mantra is almost always the same. Ask me about it. And the answer is always, I just wish I had done it earlier. Uh, you know, that's most entrepreneurs will tell you that uh, yeah. it has been a treat. Uh, how do people get a hold of you, my friend? Yeah, like we had mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast, I don't have, you know, I don't have a lot of acolytes. You have a lot of cool people on your podcast, and it definitely keeps me coming back. Uh, so I'm glad that I'm, I think I'm able to add a little um, diversity here with, you know, I don't have a book. We'll put an asterisk there yet. Um, but, and I don't have a website, um, nor am I doing, um, am I selling for a specific, um, business? It's, it's my own thing. And I do things on my own terms. And if you like the idea of doing things on your own terms and, you know, having some sort of motivation to get you to run through a brick wall and start this thing up, send me a message on LinkedIn. I have nothing monetary to gain, but let's chat about the industry, whether it's collections or, or, or side hustles in general, we can talk about e-commerce or driving Uber. Cause I might have an extra 10, 30 minutes, an hour, maybe on the weekends where I could be an Uber driver, send me a message on LinkedIn and, and convince me that I should do that. Wow. And for those of you looking for Steven, it's S T E P H E N Paxton P A X T O N. Cause there's probably a few of the out there. There's, there's, yeah. there's a few of everybody. It seems like on yeah. LinkedIn. Uh, well, I, um, I gotta tell you an absolute treat having you on the podcast 
I think you nailed it. I just think a lot of valuable information here. And one other thing I did want to say to you personally was I really appreciate the fact and and folks, you've got to understand it does matter. Uh, Stephen is a loyal listener and a, a loyal just uh, checking the LinkedIn box. What word am I looking for? Liking. You're liking it. Simple Reacting. little like. You know, I was pretty popular in school. I didn't have to beg people to like me. But social media is a whole different thing. And so uh, but Stephen is a re- is, listens likes comments occasionally and um i just a lesson for everyone boy it means a great deal i think i've reached out a couple times over the few years just to thank Stephen. i'm sure you were probably like what what is he thanking me for it means something to me so i love the conversation today and i'm grateful for um just the fact that you you listen and you react and that means a great deal to me so thank you truly you're welcome. And it's free to do. And one big thing too, is I am part of the jollest, very prestigious um, fraternity of the um, lightning bolt pin, by the way. Oh, by yeah. the way, I've got I my am. pin on, you know, I don't know if you checked oh, it out. There it is. I there it is. Worn mine. It's up there. It's up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Worn mine. Remember it's a performance <laughs> pin. For those of you who don't know what that looks like, you can go to my website. You'll see the pin on there in my store. I'm not trying to sell them. I'm just telling you, you can get a, a visual of it, yeah. but it stands. For, you remember what it stands for? I know um, I, you don't have to give me the exact words. Oh, I see you forming it in your brain right now. Don't worry. I'm not going to box you in the corner. Steven, ju- I just took the words out of his mouth. He was saying energy and enthusiasm, the great equalizers. Uh, you come up, you, you show up with energy and enthusiasm. Both Steven and I want you to show up with more, I promise. But you show up with energy and enthusiasm, you'll most likely win the day. Uh, the, the rest gets a little easier. You you be buttoned down from top to bottom and don't show up with energy and enthusiasm. You're going to lose that day. So the lightning bolt for both of us, all that means is doesn't matter what I did yesterday. I got to pin it on and remind myself, bring the A game, bring the A game. <laughs> you have a couple of choices when you wake up, folks. That is to wake up and just do the bare minimum, or you can wake up and you can exceed and excel and, you know, What's your motivation? Like, yep. what are you going to do today be, to be that that second person? Yeah, and isn't it great when you think about it? Because it, as it, that, that's not an ominous statement you just heard. It's actually one hundred percent in your control. There's so many things that are not in your control, and yet that most powerful piece, one hundred percent in your control. I, neither one of us said we always win. Not every item sells. Not every seminar is is, is as successful as I want it to be. Uh, all the, not every podcast too, maybe. <laughs> but we try the best we can. It's always the A game. Anyway, I, I could go another 20 minutes on that one. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. All right. We'll do it again as well as we can next time. Until then, stay safe. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jalice.com.